You are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. You are back. Well, you are back. We weren't here earlier, but you're no. back with the station. You were here <laughs> earlier last week. <laughs> right. Exactly a week ago. It is your hot, your hot outspoken boys. That was like the first phrase coming. We're just going to go with it. We're the hot outspoken boys. Coming to your airwaves on a Sunday. Hello to everybody out there. And to be honest, we are very hot right now. It is warm, warm, warm. It is warm very in warm here. in here. Very but see, warm. I got here way earlier and we were up in a different conference room where it's freezing. Can and we? So then we traveled down here right. where it's burning up. So it's Can we kind of meet in the middle? Can right. we like make a link between them? Compromise. Yeah, Can we right. do that? Anyways, huh. yeah. Very warm in the studio. A little chilly out. If you're up here in the Pacific Northwest, we want to say true. welcome That's to all true. of our listeners today from all over. Um, it's been nice uh, getting all the letters we've been getting and hearing from everybody. We just celebrated two years. We did. Last week was our two-year anniversary. It was. And two it was a good years. one. It's insanity. You know, it has been a long time, and it's kind of crazy looking back on it and, mm-hmm. and uh, thinking about that. I know, and that we're still here. Uh, speaking of two-year anniversary and having to look back and everything... Mm-hmm. Um, so we were honored last night, which we yes. were very privileged. Uh, we felt very honored by this that uh, with the Pride Foundation, of course, they are one of our, our great sponsors, our backers. Um, and so they had a little a little shindig, a little dinner last night for everybody that they've given grants out to. And so we were there last night with all of the people who work so hard for the LGBTQ mm-hmm. um, community. And so it was nice. We were there. They, they gave me a microphone. I warned them. That, you know, I mean, if you, it's a commitment. It um, is, yeah. You're going to hand me a mic. I mean, you're going to be listening for at least four hours to Jonathan just ramble. It's and great. Actually, I, did, I did not do that long, but wow. it was fun. So we got to talk, and then we got to just meet a lot of great people. Yep. You couldn't be there. I could not because of Second a Second year in a row. Prior in ga- Wow. I think you, you are going plan. to call me out. I think you have a plan. You know what? It was not my plan to be going to a wedding yesterday, <laughs> no, you but didn't it have to actually go to a was. It was a legit. And uh, as, as much as I would have loved to to have yeah. been there i would have we loved to share you. that microphone with you actually Jonathan. yes i was gonna let you speak that's what i told people <laughs> <laughs> i would have let him I'm talk like, too Jonathan spoke last but i did someone else can speak this year they kept uh. <laughs> trying to see if kurt wanted to speak oh the schmearer which is producer. never a good idea ever. and that's what we told them <laughs> yeah uh, and, and actually that's understand. what kurt told them he actually said <laughs> no you don't want me to get up there no ever. but there was free wine so, you know, he could have gotten up there with a glass or two of wine, but it, the speech would have been inappropriate. Very. Very long. He would have mentioned his sister named Doorknob. Doorknob. So, there so you go. So, he has lots of colorful stories that oh, we he, get to hear because we're all great friends, and but he <laughs> keeps to himself. But Kurt talked to six people last night. That's a record. That is a record. I will tell you. That's a record. Six people. He was so proud of Wait, himself. Six people by himself, or did yes, you no, have no, no. to in- instigate? Nope, nope. No. It wow. was all him. Carter? Very proud of the Shamir last night, and not all of them were from because we sat at a table that had all our amazing friends and colleagues from Spokane yeah. AIDS Network, yeah. who we always enjoy them. Um, so Kyle Grant and Gay, uh, shout out to y'all. They were at our table as well, and so we were probably the rambunctious table. I, I can imagine that. I, right? I think usually that's how that works. That, that is, that and that when Gay and I get together, it's oh, it's just, so loud. Yeah, because. 
Very true. I but like, that's a good thing. <laughs> no, we had a Jonathan, lot of fun. You know me, right? right? Honey, am I she not loud? She teases me a lot. Right. So, oh. and but we had a lot of fun. Um, Do you need a hug? I know. I always need a hug. Oh, okay, and then know. sometimes it's dangerous for people to hug me because I need it, but it, I might be a little Right. You might abrasive. have a knife in the other hand yes, and you're it just could stabbing happen. real quick. It okay. could happen. Okay. Anyway, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Last night for our team and thank you again to the pride foundation um and of course to kyrs because uh they give us this platform and so that helped us to get this grant so we can keep bringing our our message of bringing being loud great to content you. <laughs> yeah right and, that, and that's great the thing content spreading, is a better way to spreading say the word of lgbt right um this week actually i mean if you haven't heard then where have you been living under a rock uh this Probably. week star wars comes out I the know. force awakens that's to m- no no that's that? the, it comes out 18th. friday thursday i think th- it's, it's that it's that's some, the, that some new weird day thing. of the week the friday thursday friday thir- no it comes out on friday but viewing start 8 p.m on thursday which i don't understand how that's friday but it's fine um, they can't do midnight premieres, so they do eight o'clock the day before premieres, which is really why can't they do midnight premieres? Do you, I, it was something going on with uh, the Aurora shooting, and oh, and okay, how, okay, yeah, it, it was a little bit of that, and also how they were just not selling super well and stuff. I don't know. Okay, I can get that. I'm I grew, excited. I grew up with midnight premieres, so I'm sad right? that they left. I know, right? Yeah, I am too. I didn't realize they had taken them out of our game. Yeah, no more, um, no more. So that's actually exciting. I've been watching all of Carrie Fisher's interviews. Yes. Because the woman yes. is hysterical. Oh, she's hilarious. And, of course, she's going to be in uh-huh. in uh-huh. the movie. She's now a commander. A commander Leia. Commander Leia. And uh, her daughter is in the movie as well. Yes, exactly. So exciting. I'm excited to mm-hmm. see that. One other thing that's happening that the boys, we had a fun little photo shoot. We did. Um, we did, yeah. And so there are <laughs> Christmas cards. It's our awkward Christmas card. <laughs> yeah. Basically, so we were up at a hotel here in Spokane. Um, doing the, We had an audience watching us because Sergey and I were very awkward. How do you not watch? You know? I know. Well, was, I feel like everywhere we go, our audience kind of collects. And, and I um, love that. Just, I love just, that. Just watch us. Well, there are five different Christmas cards from the Outspoken Boys. Yes. That are, are going to be released. Kurt is actually going to put one up so you can see it on our Facebook page right now. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it was fun. It was Kurt the Schmier's idea to do this. And actually, it was fun. Although, so he has the plan in his head. Yeah. He was the director. And yeah. There are moments where we're like, Sergey's <laughs> lying on <laughs> yeah. the fireplace. And he's like, I need you to do this. And he got awkward very quickly. It got, it seemed like he was trying to shoot a porno <laughs> in that did. moment. Because he was like, well, Jonathan, he's laying on his like side why don't you caress right. his inner thought whatever <laughs> it got <laughs> like, weird you need to lean in lean yeah, in, yeah. Close our and legs. look at him romantically <laughs> you're like kurt no 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 it was <laughs> and at one point he's like wait let me show you i was yeah. like no <laughs> don't show him we it don't was fun know. which tells you they're gonna be some great yeah. christmas cards so uh, they're i don't know great. which one he's choosing to to show on facebook but Go to facebook.com slash outspokesman and go see one of five different versions Mm -hmm. of our holiday card. Exactly. And then, you know what? If if you're really nice to us, maybe we'll send you one. Right? From our awkward family to yours. That's and how I, that works. And I love that because it's so true. It it's is very so awkward. There are so many awkwardness. Now, we're going to take a quick song break. Uh, and then we come back. when we come back, we'll be talking to the Orcas, a swim team in Seattle. In but Seattle. before that, I, I kind of want to intro into the song by saying last week, you and I discussed how Coldplay is opening for the or, or halftiming for the Super Bowl. Wait, is it official yet or are they still in talks? Because last I heard they were still in talks. Okay. Regardless, we had that conversation. <laughs> 
how if Coldplay were to do it. You said we're that everyone this. would fall asleep because Coldplay is so I love Coldplay, <laughs> but they're not. A, it's a halftime <laughs> show at the Super Bowl. Now, and I challenge. I mean, they're following Katy Perry, who that. came out like on a okay. huge fake elephant. Yeah, and then a shooting <laughs> star then, across the thing. Yeah, right. I, I got it. Missy Elliott then all of a sudden showed up. Okay, so tell me. No, and I get it, but you don't think Coldplay has any fast-paced music, right. but I think mm. that they have enough and a lot of dancey or you know upbeat music that they could do okay. something with it. Okay. So I'm mm. going to play a song right now. I'm interested from Coldplay. Uh, called Him for the Weekend, and it is it's off of it's their new what Him for the Weekend. Oh, and it's uh off of their new album. So you know what? Let's check it out. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane eighty eight point one and ninety two point three FM, and this is outspoken. So if you think Coldplay can rock the Super Bowl with that song and any of their other upbeat ones. Um, go ahead and, and tell us on Facebook. Vote, tweet Vote. or tell us on Facebook. I, I am I, still I unconvinced. Like, I like the song as a fan of Coldplay, but I still don't know if that's a... I mean, maybe. I mean, if you were on our Periscope, you saw that Sergey was giving you examples of the dance of moves the dancers could make. choreography. I have already right? choreographed this for he them. has. And I'm... I'm I'm, I'm I even I less convinced. <laughs> well, you know what? They're great, but I don't know. I, I want to see. Sitting you in know my how chair. it's a show? Like when you go out, but I've never seen a Coldplay concert, okay. so I'll give them that. Okay. So, but you know, when you do the halftime show, yep. you go out. I mean, you you do a show. It's it's a big production, right? So I'm I'm still trying to. Like a Broadway musical? Is that a Broadway musical? In my mind, it always is. But no, I'm thinking Katy Perry last one. Or I remember when, um, what's his face? The short guy that does the Bruno Mars. When Bruno (laughs) Mars did his, he blew me away because I never expected how, you know. See? This is it. it. They will. But I'm still like. "Mm." I'm convinced they're going to rock it. Well, I love them and I I hope that they do. But I'm still not convinced they can pull it off. You know what? And we will see. And. When the Super Bowl comes, you and I will watch the Puppy Bowl until halftime. Yes. Then we'll turn yes. on to the actual it. Super Bowl, watch the I halftime, and go back. Macklemore do the. That would actually be great. I think he well, could pull off quite a he's, show. Oh, true, true. You know what I mean? He's For in the works of his second album, so maybe after that. Please. And Please. maybe he will take Adele's spot in number one and then taking <laughs> home the Grammys. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm no, just Adele I'm next just year is going to sweep him. Okay. Because. All right. No, again, she we will. will see. She will be we'll amazing. I, I can guarantee. <laughs> remember that how one. last time psychic. Sam Smith swept them with? He was amazing. He, true. Do you remember the picture of Adele with all of her? Sam has the same exact picture. He copied her. I know. I know he. Okay, but just because she did is, it first. Though, the point is, they're both very good at. You what know they what? Do. And that's the truth. Yeah. I I will give you that. Like if Sam Smith is in here, <laughs> and if he wanted to sing the theme song to the James Bond, I would yes. die. Because first right. of all, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. Yeah. I love everything Sam Smith And if does. Adele was here singing the theme to her version, Skyfall, Skyfall oh yeah, gosh, I would, I would also die. Yeah. I mean, it's. So I agree. They're both I can, high-level I can singers. Um, uh, different levels of high, but, you know, high-level singers. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so here's my favorite thing about doing our show. Yeah. There's this window yeah. that separates the curter from us. It's right? preferable that it's bulletproof. It, it, yes, and it is. It's safer for him. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. So he does hand signals. He Yeah, he tries and to sometimes invent... sometimes I don't know what's going and, on. And, and the problem with him doing that is he doesn't ever uh, do the same ones or tell no, us what he's doing. No. It's kind of like inventing sign language as he yes, goes. Exactly. And so it's It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And it's so fun. this is the thing. He finally did something that you... Curter, if you're listening... 
do signs more often. He wrote it on a piece of paper. Wow. And put it in. And then I'm like, oh, I know exactly right, what you're saying. Because right. here's the thing. Let us give you a clue into our world. We get texts from the Schmier all the time. The Curter. Oh, I call him so yeah. many names. Yikes. The Curter all the time. Because during the week, you know, because we need to keep in communication as we, because it yeah, takes a lot, well, of, you know. a lot of coordination to put this show on. So, um, as I'm sure you can tell. Uh, so he will send messages that we most of the time don't understand. You, yeah. He has to send a code with it. So you yes, decode right. that thing. And um, as I know, we have had this great. conversation before. Sometimes if it's such a mess, like you can't even make out any of it. You just put the phone down. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't care. Like You just, you don't bother. It's yeah. too exhausting. Sometimes I just say, okay. That's okay, whatever you need. I probably will not do that because I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what that is. How? What the, is? What, what does is that a, mean? What, what does a frog do I, <laughs> with yeah. the car? Yeah. I don't understand I, that. Frog is that a thing? car. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, as you can tell, buying some time. As the Schmier, the Curter. I need to land on one name and just. No. Like, why? I okay. mean, he can be an eclectic a, <laughs> right. a group of three he names. is bringing our next guest on the line they're having some connection problems with the phone but he is bringing our next guest on the line we're kind of excited we met the boys mm-hmm. uh, some of them now there's 200 members and they're not just boys but 200 members of the swim team that you mentioned earlier the mm-hmm. orcas they were started back in the 80s um and so it is predominantly people uh gay and lesbians who are in this but yes. that everybody is involved in this anyways we got to meet them in seattle a f- this summer Actually, wow, that was so long ago. Yeah, yeah. What was and, it, August, I think? And yeah. As part of, you know, our ambassadorship to the sports world, because, you know, they were just hoping we would talk to them, <laughs> we started reaching out to find out more about what's going on. Of In the course, sports community. Yeah, because we work with the amazing people over at uh, the CCE Sports Network, and this is our way of doing our part to bring sports to the people in Spokane who uh, also uh, want to get involved and... Um, so this is our way of kind of supporting health, supporting mm-hmm. sports, and getting people connected. So Outspoken is very proud to bring to the programs, and I'm going to mess your names up, Jason Stone and Stephen Podakar, I'm going to go with, uh, from Seattle Orcas. Are you there, gentlemen? Yes, we are. <gasps> Wonderful. Steve, I'm here. Perfect. Stephen, first of all, we need to start there. What is your last name? And let's see if I came close. Podakar, uh, that is correct. <gasps> Look at you. Okay, I just won. That's, that's our bet. <laughs> Anyways, gentlemen, thank you for taking time on a Sunday to talk to our listeners out here in eastern side of Washington. Uh, we want to start with uh, kind of the mission of the Orcas. Are you there? There you go. Jason, do you want to speak to that? Well, I didn't quite hear, hear the question. Sure. Maybe try again. Sure. Sorry we, about that, guys. Oh, don't no worry worries. about it all. Here's the thing. We just want to start with, first of all, the mission or, or the purpose of why the Orca Swim Team is important and why you feel it is important. Oh, well, absolutely. So the mission of the Orca Swim Team is really focused around community building. And it, that has been part of Orca Swim Team from the, very, from the very start. We were started in, like, 1984 in preparation for the Gay Games. And it was a group of LGBT swimmers here in Seattle who um, some had participated in the first gay games in San Francisco, and they wanted to build a community that would support healthy lifestyles, healthy living, and uh, friendly competition. And that is really one of the reasons that uh, Orca Swim Team has started. And that has continued through our whole 30-year history at this point. We've... um, 
the social aspect of swimming with orcas is just as important, maybe more so, than the competitive aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know in your, um, when we read up on you, and anybody who wants to learn more about the orcas, you can go to our website, hotmesssunday.com, and click on the picture uh, for the logo for the orcas to find out more. Three things that you mentioned on there that I find interesting is it's social, fitness, and competition. And one of the, the most interesting facts is that there's people from all levels. Like, there's people who have just, you know, started to swim. So talk to us about that. How is that? Because you have close to, what, 200 members currently? I think it's a little bit more around 150. But okay. Yeah, and we spread, we spread the entire spectrum of skill and experience. We've got folks who just started swimming with us and just started swimming at all, really, um, coming to us from maybe mm-hmm. an injury from running or something like that. And sure. then we also have swimmers who were collegiate swimmers mm-hmm. and and competed on college teams. And so it, it's really an, an excellent opportunity, I think, for new swimmers to get some mentoring and some tips from from the swimmers that have a lot of experience and have a lot of skill. And we have, basically, we've got six lanes, and, and lane six, which, which is where Brock swims, by the way, is uh, our fastest and probably our most um, competitive swimmers. And then we, in lane one is where we have our, our new swimmers who are just starting out. And our what we do is, with our coaching, we help people um, learn how to swim better Mm-hmm. And uh, move up the uh, move up through the lanes if they want to. Sure. Yeah, as, as Jason said, um, we have swimmers of all abilities. In fact, I would say probably tending toward the beginning swimmer to mod- to moderate ability. And uh, the I, I get I'm the team captain currently, so I get the emails from people who are interested in joining, and that seems to be a lot of. Uh, people's questions and concerns is how competitive the group is and it, and if you need to be an expert swimmer. And the mm-hmm. answer really is no, mm-hmm. that we're well coached and supported by, um, by team members as well as Seattle University current swimmers. And there are really some good examples of people who have gone from, from no swimming ability, maybe managing 25 to 50 yards of continuous swimming, to being able to complete uh, a whole hour and 15-minute workout. Wow. And, and learning to swim as an adult is, is really no easy feat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a very welcoming environment. Anyone at any level can go there. How does one who's interested join uh, or become a member of ORCAs and come practice with you guys? Uh, the membership link is available on our website mm-hmm. through the, the, I think, there's, maybe a tab or something that says join. And, okay. um, and then when, when you, we get an email from a per- prospective new member, one of the captains will meet them and, and go over the basics and, and introduce them to the coach and, and answer any questions they have. So, and, you know, it's very important. We want to definitely push the fact that you all go for all fitness levels, that people of, uh, you know, all levels are welcome there. But I also want to point out that the Orcas are members of both the United States Masters Swimming and the International Gay and Lesbian Aquatics. So there is an aspect where people can compete. You take, I'm guessing you take people or you take teams to compete as well. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We have 
swimmers who swim regularly in local masters meets mm-hmm. and national masters meets, and then uh, the once a year or every four years in the case of gay games, uh, there's the International Gay Lesbian Aquatics Championship, and uh, swimmers go to that. And often, the, often those are not highly competitive meets. I mean, they are similar to Orca that. There are elite swimmers there at Gay Games. I believe there were seven or eight Olympians, former Olympians, oh, who wow. competed. But then also down to people who this is their very first swim meet. That's amazing. Now, let's, okay, we're going to walk you through a, a as-if kind of situation. So some maybe big bearish type guy, his name might be Jonathan, I'm not sure, uh, comes to you and they say they want to, you know, we'll say it's me. I want to meet you guys. And so you're taking a guy that has... Can may, can barely float. Um, is that <laughs> someone from that level? You know who wants to to learn, um, but is really is interested. But as you said, it's hard as an adult as it is. Um, do, like someone from that like very start that just wants to learn from people who obviously know what they're doing. Is that something uh, that you look at? Are you there, Stephen? Do you want to speak to that? <laughs> Anyone, anyone can take this question. All right. We are, we are. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so we, like Jason had said earlier, I mean, we get everybody mm-hmm. with every skill level. So a lot of times, you know, we'll be approached by, you know, so, someone of that stature. And, you know, we're very open and it's very easy for them to, you know, start swimming with us. And I don't know if that fully answers your question. Brock, did you want to take it a little further? Yeah, I mean, we are a swim team, so it, being able to swim is, is essentially <laughs> sure. uh, re- helpful. Uh, required, no. <laughs> but your skill level in that area is be open to whatever you, whatever the individual feels most comfortable with. Uh-huh. Uh, we're not specifically a learn-to-swim program, but I, we, would, we would pair well with somebody who, who is just getting in the water for the first time. They probably wouldn't. <laughs> wouldn't feel very comfortable at an orca practice sure. uh, just because it is it is a swim practice. Sure, sure. But in conjunction with learning to swim, it would be a great opportunity to kind of grow on mm-hmm. on that. Gotcha. So where can people find the orcas? What's a good website or contact information for anyone out there interested in uh, the swim team or swim program? The website is orcaswimteam.org. Mm-hmm. And on there, you'll find links to to membership, more about the history of the team, and uh, that's where also the Orca store is, where you can purchase sure. um, a membership or passes. Awesome! And they would simply do. You said there's a join. There's a join link. They would simply just email, right, and say, "Hey, this is this is my contact. I would like to talk to you about joining." Yeah, there's a web form to complete, okay. and you can tell us a little bit about about um, about yourself. Maybe if you have questions. Uh, also, it's a good time to let us know if you know another team member or how maybe you found oh, sure. out about Orca. Yeah, sure. Uh, that helps us kind of advertise better as well. We're always curious how people find out about the team. Now, gentlemen, are you in, like, is there a slow part of your season? Is this a time where you're kind of gearing up as, you know, we're, we're in the middle of winter for the things that will start happening in this? So this would be a good time to kind of start talking to you guys, or is there really any slow time, I guess, to your season? Our slowest time is actually in the summer. Oh, wow. uh, historically, swimming is a winter sport since it happens indoors mostly, especially in the Northwest. 
Um, but uh, the IGLA championship is in summer. Okay. And uh, as well as day games historically been right, in the summer. Right, right, perfect. So this would be a good time for all of our listeners out here. If there are anybody in Spokane, obviously, you know, the trip to Seattle is not that far. It's not a hard trek. If you are looking for, first of all, just a great team to support or you're interested in being part of uh, such a, a long-lasting, prestigious team as the Orcas, this would be your chance to go check them out. We will be posting their website and their contact information on our website as well as Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time out on your Sunday. Yeah, thank you for having us. Wonderful. You all have a great day. All right. If you just tuned in, we were just talking to the Orcas, the Seattle swim team. Yes, yeah. and they are award winners, and they go to all the meets, and they're even part of the National Gay uh, and Lesbian are. Swim yes. organization. That's there as well. So we love to support the, the good things that are going on around the country, especially our region. So yeah. definitely check their website right. out as well. And, then, and I'll learn not to maybe joke. About, yeah, yeah okay. about anything. <laughs> so, it's not going to be funny. So, anyways, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We are going to take a quick break. Um, this is going to be the song. Uh, it's it's kind of become a favorite of mine to play on the show. I don't know why, because um, I've played it like 50 times. I'm on excited. Here. I don't know what it is. Um, it's Chain Gang of 1974, <gasps> yes. Sleepwalking. Love this. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. Yay, if you just joined us, um, or if you've been listening, we just had an interview with the Orcas, which is the Seattle uh, swim team. So if you are interested in being involved in a swim team, that is mostly gay and lesbian members. There's 150. 150. People. Not too right around one hundred and fifty, but you could make that number go up because come on, if you yeah. love something, I knew people back uh, a few years ago that for the Seattleman's course they would drive over for from uh, Spokane, from Wenatchee, just to be part of it because you love it so much. If you love yeah. swimming and you want to be part of a majority, m- ma- a Maj- gay people, a majority, <laughs> the ma- okay, how there's do you say a lot this? of gay people in this. <laughs> In this organization. If you would like to be part of that, you can. So, like I said, you can go to our Facebook page and look at um, uh, look at the link that will send right. you to their website. Right. Today, communication isn't my strong point. No, you know, I don't think communication is a lot of people's strong point <laughs> right. today. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a mumbly, mumbly. Maybe mumble. it's ex-communication day. Ooh. Ooh. But don't. That's a bad joke. Yeah, that's not okay. No. Um, don't excommunicate here. I, I, I was excommunicated. You were. That on was Mother's Day. On Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, I mean, Mother's if you're going to do it, make it hurt as much as you can. Apparently <clears throat> is the rule of your church. I guess your so. Your ex-church. I guess so. Right? Um, let's talk Crazy B. There, this is kind <sighs> of an interesting Crazy B. She earned it. Yeah, she right. She earned it. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Wow. I didn't think we were going right. to say that. But you know what? She is a little bit crazy. A little bit. Let's talk about the new interview that everybody right. is talking about. That she actually said in the interview that she did. Uh, people would ex- accept you more as a transgender individual if you would look better. If basically, you look more like a man if you look or a more, woman, and yeah, and don't look like a man in a dress, basically is what she's saying. Which, right. first of all, how absolutely offensive. Uh, she says it's easier if you don't look like right. a man yeah. in the dress. And she says she spends a lot of time focusing on that. She knows that's important. Of course, there is an uproar. That, well, because what what is happening is she, Caitlyn Jenner, of course, has a, a, a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. 
And uh, a lot of people in the trans community do not because... And they're saying, how exactly. can you say stuff like that? Something First of all, like everybody that. is different. Oh, yeah. Everybody's looks are different, everybody. And so she's pulling up this very offensive mm-hmm, term mm-hmm. that has been used in the gay community as well for uh, guys who want to pass as straight, calling, you know, are you passable? Well, right. listen, it's the most insensitive thing you can talk about. And to say it in a national interview... And say that if you're out there, and to be honest with you, if you look like a man in a dress, it makes people uncomfortable. That's quote unquote Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. Listen, absolutely. she's already on a roller coaster ride because she goes back and forth with stances. The gay marriage stance was a big thing on Ellen. Um, she, you know, her Arthur Ash acceptance speech for the Courage Award was that wonderful. That was great. Exactly. Wonderful. But then she does well, these very insensitive things. But here's the thing. And and you know what that was the problem with her her being an advocate her being a, a spokesperson and you know what I am Kate had low ratings because um, throughout the show she would pull stuff like this yes this and would here's, happen here's what you know us and many people said yeah. stated way back when we heard that I am Kate was going to be a program she's not your most solid advocate right because we knew. Mm-hmm. She is. She does not. She comes from a place of of ignorance. To be honest, even Absolutely, though she yeah. is yeah. trans, she comes from a place where she doesn't know a lot about trans history. She doesn't know a lot about. Right. She sees things differently. Listen, right. she is uh, an older woman who has been privileged most mm-hmm. of her life, mm-hmm. and so she comes from a place that isn't very. When you are rich or you're famous for so long, you come from a place that isn't a real world. And exactly because you see, you see the world through that perspective, and yeah. you've learned to see it mm-hmm. from that perspective. You can't see outside of that. Um, I mean, I guess if you tried really hard, you could. But mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, and that's the thing. She sees the world through those. Glasses. She does, and the she doesn't understand the privileges really to be honest that she's been afforded right so to understand the sensitivity level with which she comes across, mm-hmm. she has been. Um, she has been called out a lot of times by leaders in the trans movement she who has. said, she has. listen, you are missing so many marks right now. Right. But well, I don't think she sees it. And we know where she comes from. So why do we keep putting her in a, mm-hmm. in a position where we let her be a spokesperson for something that she is, she's not going to get right? She's not going to no. put the best foot forward from a... Well, a Exactly. It, it feels like it feels like people are just relying on her because and she has the exposure. That's yeah. the only reason. And but let's face it, the media, the media put a lot of focus it. on her as well. Yeah. Um, so it does yeah. make it hard. But she is the one. We don't need to go to her for any great no. sage advice for being trans in this world because she's not going to have it. And you know what? You know? I, right. Exactly. I think she did her part coming out. In yeah. the sports community Being as a, trans, yeah. that's that's great. That's awesome. I'm mm-hmm. glad we have someone there. And I think that's maybe where it should end. And I think it does too. And we need to bring back the Laverne Cox. We need to bring back the people who yeah. are well-spoken right. and know what they're talking about. And stop making a, media, yeah, making a media circus out of someone yeah. because she, right. she doesn't right. deserve right. the spotlight she's been given. She doesn't. Period. And time and time again, she has and she will continue. said offensive things. Yeah. So Towards this is her a, own community. It is very unfortunate. I'm glad people are calling her out on this right. on this interview. But yeah, it's time that we get we give the spotlight back to who deserves, deserves it. it. And that's why today, Caitlyn Jenner, you get our Crazy B Award. Yes, you do. So crazy sorry, B. Sorry, B. Yeah. 
that's who it is. Anyways, we want to bring back a segment that we have just begun over the last couple of months. We love every time this segment happens because you know what? We like to be open and sex positive on the show. So we got our own sex therapist, Dr. Sex himself. We want to welcome back to our program, uh, relationship and marriage therapist, Damon Jacobs. Are you there, sir? I am here. I am there. How are you guys doing? Amazing. You have been, you're busy as always. I, you're all over the place. We just had some friends from our neck of the woods just get to see you in a speech and share a video of yours. They said, you guys don't know the half of how energetic this man is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that's great. Yeah, I was just at the CDC conference, at yes. the prevention conference, yeah, yeah. and really inspired because there were so many conversations now about integrating love and pleasure and fun and play into prevention. And I think we need to be talking about that. We need to be hearing more about that. Exactly, because it's a full, like, there aren't just pieces to this. These are part, this is a huge part of our lives. And we just need to accept the fact that, that sex and pleasure is a part of that and know how to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. in that, which is why we love having you on the show. We want to remind everybody who's listening that what we do is every month we have Damon Jacobs come on and we, we get questions that you all send us. And in a very frank discussion, uh, we, share with uh, Damon these questions, and then we, we let you kind of tell us your take on it as the professional here. The, uh, and then Sergey and I kind of talk with you a little bit about that. And it's a way to start a very open conversation about our sexuality. So you want to get started? Let's get started, guys. Awesome. Let's get started. All right. So let's start off with this reader's question. My partner and I have been together for a while now, and our relationship has been going very good, but we have encountered a tiny problem in bed. Often in the middle of sex, my partner has a hard time keeping his erection and will go soft, even though neither of us have finished and we're, both, and we're still both going. This happens whether he tops or bottoms, so it's really strange. Both of us are in our 20s, so erectile dysfunction seems premature. Is a solution Viagra, or is there something else we can do? Help! Wow, okay, great question. What a great question, because this is really not uncommon for men, in the, especially even in men in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad this is being brought up here, because I think a lot of times people are embarrassed or ashamed about this at all oh, ages. Yeah. Sure. Um, the first thing that needs to be ruled out here is a medical diagnosis. So before we go to Viagra, before we consider anything else, I'd say this person really wants to see a gay or sex-positive doctor mm-hmm. and talk about what's happening during sex and rule out any medical reason why he might be experiencing this. Um, barring any medical reason, the next question we would ask is if there's any um, interface with drug use. Is he drinking or using any kind of drugs or poppers during sex? Because mm-hmm. these can sometimes mess with our erections as well. And if that's not the issue, we may then also want to explore what some of the mental health or, or psychological issues might be going on, such as, has this person been traumatized before? Um, has he ever been sexually abused? Or did he grow up with values or ideas that said that sex is bad, sex is wrong, you shouldn't be enjoying this? Um, because these can all mess with our erections as well. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? You know, that's funny because I don't think, I think you're right. We don't talk about this because, you know, when I came out, I was 20 and I came from a Baptist minister's background. And I I will admit uh, openly, I had this problem and I freaked mm-hmm. 
out because I didn't understand. And what and what I quickly learned uh, was that it was I was I guess I just called it I was so much in my head because it was all of those values I had been taught. It was all of those that this shouldn't be something that you know I should feel guilty about having fun here. And and it did take me some time, but I remember the shame mm-hmm. of being twenty years old and not understanding why this isn't working. But it's because we don't talk about it. Well, and I think we also put a lot of pressure as society that if you're 20, you can't have this problem because right. you're supposed to be in the you know peak of your sex drive. You're supposed to be all ready to go all the time. Right. And so I think we never, we don't even have these conversations where no. this is, you know, a possibility for 20 year olds to have an issue like this. And and this the, the the word should the reason I'm so opposed to the word should is because in circumstances like this, mm-hmm. if someone's not having an erection but in their mind they're saying to themselves I should be having an erection, that's only going to make it more difficult and more right. challenging for both partners to exactly. have that outcome. And I actually have an entire chapter about this in my book, absolutely shouldless, about Ooh. what happens when we have shoulds about when we should be having erections and what should be happening yeah. during sex instead of just being in the present. And just being playful and realizing there's so many ways two people can connect and have fun, even if there's not an erection present. And you know what happens? When people really do that and they really mm-hmm. just relax and let go of the whole erection issue, guess what usually happens? Exactly. Guess what comes up? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and you, you dropped a wonderful piece of information that I want to make sure we get on our... What's the name of your book? It's called Absolutely Shouldless. I love it. So that's should less. Yeah. Um, the, the, oh God, the way to live the stress-free life you deserve. And I uh, wrote it almost about 10 years ago. It um, sounds still very relevant. Come up so frequently. Yeah. I was going to say it sounds still very relevant today. Actually, we're going to... Uh, I'm The Curter back there, our producer, we're going to have him put up a picture of that book. Um, sounds like something a lot of us could probably still get a lot of good information from. I think so. We want to move on to the next question for you, sir. Sure. Next question. I'm adventurous. My boyfriend isn't. I like to role play, do a lot of playing around before I get to the actual sex. A lot of times this seems annoying to him and he rarely participates. How can we meet in the middle and try fun things and still both have fun? Mm, okay. You know, the key here, the thing that stands out to me in this question is the, the part where he says, this seems annoying to him. Mm -hmm. And the next question I would ask is, well, have you asked him what it's like for him? Okay. Use your words. Communicate. Right. And this is often something couples kind of forget to do. We're sitting there and we're trying to gauge our reactions to the other person talking or not talking or shutting down, and we're jumping to all these conclusions and assumptions, but we don't usually just ask. Hey, do you like to do role play? Do you like to play around? Is this your thing or is it not? If it's not your thing, do you think we could try something together? Would you be willing to experiment with me? But that is use amazing. your words. And, and there's ways to ask these questions sure. that would encourage sure. open dialogue. Which, by the way, I'm not trying to be shameless plug, but I actually talk about this a lot in my second book called Rational Relating, <laughs> about how to communicate in ways that are non-accusatory and non-defensive. Wow. Right. For the key, if anyone's listening to this and going to do this, Consider not asking questions with the word why. Why don't you respond? Why do you act like this? Why do you shut down? Because when you begin questions with the word why, you're beginning with the baseline that something is wrong, and they're doing something wrong. Huh. So how do you approach it? So what is it like for you? Oh, okay. Would you like to role play? Could we try something together? 
Okay. Nice. Okay. And it's true. That's we we live a lot. Yeah. We live a lot in our heads, and I we do, and that do. makes sense because you know you just assume like I so Sergey and I know each other way too well, and I can get mad at you without ever ever talking to you because I'm just assuming what you're thinking. That's true, and I think we do that in and, relationships, uh, we, right? And I think that as human beings, that happens a lot because we want to, we think we know what's going on, but we really don't because we don't ask. It's a That's incredible. Thing. That's beautiful. I love I like this. It, I'm yeah. going to have a, a library of <laughs> Damon Jacobs books. At the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> right now, there's only two, so it's a short oh, Well, you better get to work. <laughs> I've got a big library to fill. <laughs> All right. So next question is, uh, I want to meet a compatible guy. I'm a 40-something uh, gay man, and my sex drive is still incredibly healthy, but I fear it steers me the wrong places to meet men that want more than just sex. Any advice for a guy like me? Any other ways to suggest uh, you suggest to meet men other than apps? How do I keep my sex drive from sabotaging me? Hmm. Okay. So I, I, I just I think what I'm understanding is that this is a forty-something gay man who has a very healthy sex drive, mm-hmm. who might be what he says he doesn't want to go to the wrong places to meet men that want more than just that. So what I'm assuming here, what I'm assuming based on the words is that he wants to be able to have healthy sexual expression with multiple partners, uh, but not get perhaps burdened down with expectations or emotional hopes or lead people on to think that it's going to be something more than that. And if that's the case, what I said in the last question would yep. apply here. Right. Use your words. Right. It's really a magical mm-hmm. thing. You tell somebody what's going on and... They listen. Sure. So if, if you are enjoying sex with multiple partners and you're not looking for an emotional attachment, that's fine. That's totally cool. You can have that with integrity, but just let the person know. And exactly. if dating apps mm-hmm. aren't working for you, mm-hmm. um, I would say to look into um, parties in your areas or gatherings that might be right, more socially right. inclined. Most cities and most towns may have uh, a gay-related party that's more sexually affirmative, that's more about mm-hmm. touch or mm-hmm. play. Seek those out, find those, and um, enjoy, but have integrity behind what you're doing. So what about the other end of the spectrum? What if someone is looking more for the committed and more of the emotional attachment side of that? Uh, What advice would you give to someone like that? Um, Again, use your words. (laughs) You know, be be clear about that. But, uh, you know, I often see people who say they want that Mm -hmm. and seem to draw the very opposite into their life. So they say they want a committed relationship, but they say that. But I only meet guys who want to play around. And I'm like, well, let's look at that. Because I'm a guy who likes to play around, and I seem to meet guys who want relationships. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there could be something to opposites attract. Sometimes I think men say they want relationships, or they think they, quote, should want a relationship. Right. When really what they're looking for is uh, more of a friend or a friend with benefits or a fun sexual experience, but they don't know how to just ask for that or feel really empowered by that. So they often say they want a relationship when they really don't. Right. Those who really do, in my experience, know how to date and find it and take measures to Hmm. get more, to more likely get what they want. But so it is a lot tricky. I feel like we have a theme that is important here. It's a lot about communication, like being open with your communication, and also in this question, being honest with yourself about where you are. That's yeah, and have your, your actions state, follow your word. Right. So huh. 
you know, if, if you if you say that you just are looking to play around and you don't want to be in a committed relationship, then don't lead somebody on. <laughs> if right. you say you want a primary relationship and that's what you truly want, then don't sleep with everybody who comes into your, you know, on the path. You know? Right, 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 right. Actually, I see, this I actually think is a really good thing that we need to think about. I don't think we do take responsibility for what we say we want and what we... Because I think it's a should again. I know I should want this, but my actions are showing that I want this. You have to have that honest conversation. No one likes to be honest with themselves, let me tell you. <laughs> That's hard. I, I, what I encourage people to do is to be honest and be honest from a loving place. It's okay. We can create these lives any way we want. Mm-hmm. But when right. we do it from a place of should, when we do it from a place of normal, that's the other word that I say people right. have All trouble the time. with, yeah. um, you know, then we often create re- arrangements or relationships that don't work that well for us, Right. that are frustrating, that people build resentments, or sometimes even where abuse can occur, sure. when people are creating from a place of should. I love it. Okay, next question for you. I have been dating a guy for about six months. We are definitely comfortable with each other. He has begun to share with me some sexual fetishes he has a great deal of interest in that he has not mentioned until now. And these are interests that I do not share and can't see myself enjoying, like fisting and water sports. I'm not sure what to do. Is our relationship doomed? Um, Well, first, no. Your relationship is not doomed uh, because of this. Uh, it makes sense, and I, what I wasn't sure from this uh, writer is if he felt betrayed or upset that the partner right. didn't share this with him earlier. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, that's really a normal part of kink, if you're living in an area where kink is stigmatized or looked yeah. down upon, or right. you know where people are having a hard time being honest. Sometimes hmm. they don't trust to share this information with a partner till six months down the road um, and kind of test the waters how somebody would react. Uh, but you, none of us have to do anything we don't want to do. Right. This is where the word no comes in really handy. Um, we do not have to do anything we don't want to do. At the same time, I would ask this, this, this reader, this writer, are you willing to try? Are you willing to experiment? Are you saying no to things that you haven't ever tried because you're just saying no? Right. Or is there any room in your mind to consider the possibility that these could be pleasurable activities that you and your partner might enjoy doing together in the context of a sacred relationship where you trust each other and care for each other. Um, if you are totally like, no, no way, I'm not doing it, then you don't have to do it. Right. But also keep one thing in mind. It is, you know, I love pizza. I mean, that, I, guys, <laughs> I live off pizza. I live in New York. This is the pizza capital of the world. I love pizza. If I was staying a vegan, I would still eat pizza. Now, I would probably not do it in front of him unless he was okay with that, and I would respect his boundaries about when and where I eat pizza, but if I need pizza, I'm going to get pizza, (laughs) and he doesn't have to be part of it, and that's okay. Doesn't mean our relationship is doomed. Right. But there are going to be times if I am with a vegan that I'm still going to eat pizza because (laughs) that's what I love and that's what I want, and that's what makes life partly meaningful and great fun for me. Right. So I I say with these guys, you don't have to do anything, but have a conversation about what a compromise is going to look like if these are important to him and how he's going to get these needs filled by someone else if it's not going to be you. Exactly. Oh, that's fascinating but, to me. Yeah. What I keep thinking, you know, every time I talk to you, I feel like I learn something else. And one of the things that I'm learning is I feel like, I mean, not that I shouldn't have known this from just being a smart guy, but 
is we operate, it seems like, off of rules that we don't even realize are there. Just the things that we have, I guess, absorbed through our lives of how things are supposed to, quote unquote, work. And that's how we approach life. And that seems to just be tripping us up left and right. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, a lot of it is just embedded in us, and it's just a habit. You know, I don't do this. Oh, water sports right. is gross. Okay, right. but have you ever actually considered? Mm-hmm. You know, are you just reacting to cultural taboos around urine? Right. Um, or have you ever actually authentically considered whether this is something you would engage in or not? No shoulds, no right or wrong, right. no good or bad. But could you consider the option of expressing connection with your partner in this way? Sure. Wow. Sure. Now that's, I have to say they might it might deep. not be a doom, but it probably I mean you have to be willing to do the work. I always tell Well and I think myself, that's where it's scary yeah. that you have to do work, so that's right. scary. Yeah, because we mm-hmm. get afraid in our relationship. Oh, it's hard now, so mm-hmm. I'm just gonna move on because it's easier that way. Instead of just talking. Just being like, here's the deal, let's talk this out and see where we're at. I think we're afraid of that. I think people are afraid of it, and unfortunately that fear can often be factors that lead to the therapist couch or divorce court. Sure, exactly. Yeah, right. Well, you know, you we know, kind of... a lot of suffering and resentment over the years. When yeah. one relationship yeah. after the other doesn't work out, and you become resentful about relationships because none of them work out, exactly. where are your words? Yes, the exactly. Words? Right, and, and that's that's a reoccurring theme today, and I guess throughout relationships. So maybe, maybe this listener's... Uh, Question has been answered, but they're writing, I wondered if you had any thoughts as a relationship therapist on what top things you think are important for successful relationships. Are there qualities I can look for as well? Um, Great question. And this is actually a great summary. Again, plugging the second book, but I'm serious because this is how I talk. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) In rational relating, I described what I call the five pillars of any successful relationship. And a relationship is a fluid term for people, whether it's a primary romantic relationship, emotional, spiritual, or even just a friendship. And those five pillars are integrity, communication, compassion, responsibility, and compromise. Mm-hmm. And when we have those five pillars that are strong and getting rein- what I call reinforced in every relationship, or when we're actively working to strengthen these pillars in our relationship, that is where we have room for differences. That's where we have room for negotiation. And that these five pillars really create a structure that allows for serenity and joy and pleasure and fun in a primary relationship. And That's people can learn a lot more about that by getting rational relating. Exactly. Smart way to stay sane in the crazy world of love. <laughs> and it is a crazy world. I actually just wrote down all of those things on my yeah, notebook. There you go. Take notes. Yeah, but the important <laughs> thing is, and we we do want to remind everybody, uh, Damon Jacobs is uh, a licensed relationship marriage therapist. He it, he does go around the country and talk about HIV prevention, and he's an author. So where else where else can you get this kind of resource? Who's willing to answer your questions on our show? I mean, this is a big deal. So we definitely want to thank you for taking time to do this. What kind of parting? words can you give to our listeners about relationships? I think based on what we've been talking about today, I'd really encourage people to take away this thought about not reacting to fear. Of course we're all afraid, and of course when we're loving somebody or caring mm-hmm. about somebody, mm-hmm. we don't want to lose them, and we don't want to be embarrassed or humiliated or, or ashamed. But really, if you persevere through the fear and use your words to communicate, things work out better. 
even if it means the end of a certain kind of relationship. That is often opens you up to a different kind of relationship that's actually more compatible. But just don't react to fear. That is an amazing, actually, piece of advice for all life. Everybody. Yeah. That, that's applicable in so many ways. Well, thank you, kind sir, for taking time to be with us again. We want to remind our listeners, you can actually catch this very candid sex advice and relationship advice with Damon Jacobs with us every month here. But to get through the 30 days in between time, you should go check out his book, Rational Relating, or Absolutely Should List by Damon L. Jacobs. Thank you, sir. Thank you both. It's wonderful to speak with you. It's great. You have a great Sunday out there. You too. Bye. <laughs> Bye now. Bye-bye. And that was Damon L. Jacobs. Like I said, he is a marriage and relationship therapist. He also travels the country and talks about HIV prevention, and he is an author. So if you would like to pick up his books, please feel free to go to Amazon.com or visit our Facebook page for a link to get that. We are going to take a really quick song break, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking to Dan... Bukatinsky. This is going to be a song by Garrett called Save the Queen. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Outspoken. And this is an exciting moment we've been waiting for uh, for a little while. And we've been really thrilled to get out there and have everybody else tell us how excited they are for our next guest. Dan Bukatinsky is an actor, writer, producer, best known for his Emmy-winning role as James Novak on Scandal. But if you follow him, you've seen his hilarious antics with Lisa Kudrow in the comeback. But uh, in my favorite thing, web therapy. We want to welcome openly gay man, activist, all-around good guy, Dan Bukatinsky to Outspoken. Dan, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time out to be with us. Um, First of all, of course, everybody knows you from that big Emmy-winning role that you were on. I want to say it was three seasons, wasn't it? It was three seasons, yeah. Yeah, what? one through three. And I came back in season four, I think, for a little right. mm-hmm. a little stint. So. <laughs> what I find fascinating, um, other than all of the million things we want to touch on today, what I find fascinating is your website is a lot of fun because you blog on your website. And uh, you get a lot of fun insight uh, into who is Dan. Um, but you talk about the... <laughs> What it was like to basically have to deal with Shonda Rhimes calling you and saying, we're done, you know, yeah. that you died. And you talk, is that, was that for humor or is that real? Was that kind of traumatizing for you? Um, well, let's see. Traumatized is a tough, is a, yeah, a it's little a bit. It wasn't, I wasn't traumatized, you know, because that's a, <laughs> you think about traumatized and you think of like what real trauma Right, true. Right, right. Actually, be, <laughs> but um, uh, it was a tough call to get. It was, you know, the script that came prior to that one was one that was a complete shock to everybody who read it. That had somebody shooting either me or the Josh Molina's character, mm-hmm. and you were left sort of not knowing. And because of the way scandals written, because of the way I know scripts. Uh, are often, you know, the, the storylines are often not fully baked for the next episode when you're reading the current one. Right. They actually knew how exciting and explosive that could be, but had not actually decided how to resolve what they had written. Oh. And so uh, that's one of the reasons the show is so exciting. I mean, the writer's room themselves are often exploding things and then figuring out how they're going to deal with the aftermath later. So we quite literally were left kind of hanging, like a classic scandal 
cliffhanger. Yeah. The actors are ourselves wondering if one of us was going to go or neither of us were going to go or, you know, or how it was going to happen. So for a full three or four days while we were mm-hmm. shooting that second to last episode, we were sort of in the dark. And a couple of, about three days into shooting that episode, uh, Shonda called me to tell me, like, the only way they could figure out doing this in a right. way that was going to be really impactful. Right. And I know that as a writer that you sort of, you have to exploit sort of the most impactful idea right. was to kill James. And I was, you know, I was devastated. I was, sure, it, it, sure. it, it, it symbolized a lot of different things. I was very, very close with everybody who, on that show. So it was not only saying goodbye to the character, and there was something very sad about the very facts of that character dying, not to be mm-hmm. too arty-farty about it, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. it was also saying goodbye to the cast and the crew and and to that chapter in my life sort of, uh, you know, closing that door on it, which, you know, in, in this business happens all the time. Yeah. Shows come and go and projects are short-lived. You work on a movie for a couple of months and mm-hmm. then you say mm-hmm. goodbye to everybody. So it's something that I'm used to. But that particular show changed my life and sure, the sure. people I was involved with became like a family to me. So it was... It was uh, not traumatic, but maybe just <laughs> shy of it. Oh, okay. sure. Yeah. Diffi- like difficult at any case. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you have any clue? And I know actors don't go into things imagining an award at the end of it. Um, were you shocked when you heard that you were up for that? Obviously, you definitely earned that, that nomination. Did you? Was that shocking to you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I had no expectation it was a very crowded field of competition. I mean, if you think of every drama and every guest right. actor and every yeah. drama, yeah. I mean, there's so many and so many great ones and so many that, that that award was quite typically almost historically given to very well-known actors, movie mm-hmm. actors who guest right. for an episode, maybe two mm-hmm. on an existing television show. Um, it was. It really was not something that I was expecting. Of course, I had imagined it in a kind of fantastical way. Right, of course. The way we of do course. for as children. <laughs> Imagine yeah. what it might be like to, to have a moment, sort of a dream come true kind of moment. I, you know, my publicist and I laughed about it for about a year. We were like, while I was doing the show, I was doing press, and right. they were like, there really is no Emmy campaign for a guest actor. You just have to sort of hope. Yep. And I just call, I wouldn't even... I couldn't even call it that because it's just really just too embarrassing. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't really campaign for that kind of thing. You ho- you sort of hope, but it's right. really one of those things that's like winning the lottery. And, sure, and I sure. called it the Pipe Dream co- Project, the PDP. <laughs> and um, and so I think I was almost the most stunned by the nomination. Uh, I did not think I would win, for sure, but yeah. certainly you know that the, that the pool of potential winners is has scaled down to only six, right. whereas to be nominated, you're in a pool of hundreds. Right. So yeah. I yeah. think that nomination absolutely bowled me over. I could not quite believe it. That's amazing. And you got to thank your husband. In your, I really enjoyed your, your Emmy speech, talking about not only are you playing, uh, well, very dysfunctional gay man in his very dysfunctional gay relationship, which is hard to ever play something that isn't... Um, you know, not necessarily likable, although a lot of people wanted you all to stay together. But then you get to get an Emmy for this this role and thank your husband, who you have spent, you know, decades uh, with and have a family with. That had to be surreal. It, it, it really was. It, it really felt like the only thing I could say that I was so bowled over. And yeah. not, not yeah. only that, at that particular Emmy 
um, um, ceremony, you're only given 45 seconds to not just right. to say what you want to say, but also to get up on the stage. Oh, yeah, so yeah right. I, I bolted out of my seat. <laughs> I ran up there, having eaten up, well, I don't know, six seconds doing that. <laughs> I knew I only had about 30 seconds. And, I, and I, Don was with me, yeah. and it was such a surreal moment. And I really did, uh, you know, I had to thank uh, Jeff Perry, who is an amazing acting partner and one of my closest friends and has been for a very long time. Sure. Um, but the notion that I was thanking not only my on-screen husband and that we were living at a time, and I'm, this is what I said, basically, but yeah. I, I still feel it deeply, that we're living in a time where an actor could be saying that they want to thank their on-screen husband as well as their at-home husband, it just feels like that in and of itself spoke yeah. volumes about the time we're living in right now. And I, I said basically a version of that because it's really how it felt. I mean, I, yeah. mm-hmm. I had Shonda Rhimes to thank, of course, and every writer right. on, that, on that show who wrote unbelievable material for us. But, but really, my, my on-screen husband and my at-home husband were, were the two people that uh, at that moment felt like they deserve the most thanks. And, and it was a sentence I couldn't quite believe I was saying. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's incredible that we're in this time. Like, like you said, it's that, that's fantastic that you can have someone to think like that. Now, this wasn't your only, uh, appearance or nomination on the Emmys. Uh, the show web therapy also was, uh, nominated for a primetime Emmy as a web series and TV series. Uh, what was that like? I mean, this is, this is something that you worked on as a creator and executive producer for what was that side of, uh, Emmy nomination for you? Like, uh, that was a year prior. The mm-hmm. year prior, Lisa and I were lucky enough to be nominated in two categories. One for our show, Who Do You Think You Are?, which is a documentary series that's yeah. on TLC. Yeah. And uh, our, our web series, which has also become a half-hour, had become at that for four seasons a half-hour comedy on Showtime. Um, the web version of it had been nominated in the same year. So, yeah. we, we, we again, it's one of those things where... You just can't believe that of all the pool of all the shows, and now there's even more than ever, yeah. Oh, that yeah. it's singled out. People will always say that the nomination, it's just an honor to be nominated. It really, really, truly is, is true. The, the one that feels like winning lottery is if you ever win it. Right. But uh, but the nomination is is fantastic, and Lisa, that particular year, I think it was 2014, we were nominated for both, um, or maybe it was 2013, I can't remember, but we were we were nominated for both those uh, shows. Didn't win, but felt very honored to have been nominated. Um, Who do you think you are? Had been nominated once before when we were on NBC, and it's still a show that is. You know, we're coming out again this year in 2016. It's it's still going strong, and we're very proud of it. And Web Therapy, we did four full seasons on Showtime of the half-hour version, and um, we made hundreds of web webisodes uh, right. with, you know, every star imaginable from Steve right. Carell to right. Meryl right. Streep to Meg Ryan and Which Chelsea is Handler. Crazy. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it was a very satisfying <laughs> show to produce, to act in, uh, to write, it really, truly was a passion project that that uh, very few of us were involved in in making, and uh, it's hard to do that kind of thing still, uh, you know, and 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 own it. And um, it that, that 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 particular project was a real brainchild of Don and and mine and Lisa's that we really enjoyed doing over since since 2008 well and i can't watch one that has interactions between you and lisa with it kills me like it is the most hysterical thing 
you guys, it is obvious chemistry there for sure. I want to talk to you about how you got together with uh, Dan Savage to do the, I believe it's by L Studios, It yes. Got Better, which is an extension of Dan's uh, It Gets Better campaign. Can you talk to us about why you felt this was important and what that project entails? Um, you know, a couple of years back, Dan Savage and I, Dan's, and Dan's business partner and myself and Lisa, we all sort of got together and we were mutual admirers of one another in, in different ways of the different things that we, we do. And we talked about different ways that we could collaborate. And one thing is a scripted thing that we've been sort of working on for a while that uh, is in the works. And, and the other thing that had always sort of been on my mind was a way to merge what we do in terms of historical context and learning about a particular celebrity with the it that we do in Who Do You Think You Are with the, what, with the sort of testimonial and honest um, uh, profiles that, that, that happen when, when, when the, it got, uh, the It Gets Better project encouraged people to sort of speak their truth on, on, uh, you know, on their webcams. And we came up with this documentary short series that would do a little bit of both. It would give uh, people an understanding of people that you think that you know and you admire for whom uh, clearly life got better. But Mm -hmm. without just saying it got better, we also get to have an understanding and a context of where they grew up, when they grew up, what were the obstacles that felt insurmountable. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it. We talked about, like, what would be the merging of It Gets Better with Who Do You Think You Are? And it would be, you know, a profile of somebody who would talk about how it got better. How? Right. When, when did it seem like it could never get better? And, and what were the things that happened in your life? And when did they happen? And where were you living? And we started talking about how fun it would be and, and how impactful and inspiring it would be for young people to be able to see somebody, you know, whether it's Tim Gunn or Jason Collins or Rosie O'Donnell or Portia de Rossi, talk about where they were born, what part of the world they were from, and for us to give a, a, a context for how difficult, whatever that obstacle was for somebody LGBT, right. whether their obstacle was related to coming out or something else, to feel like they couldn't do it and then to overcome it. And for young people to hear not just that, it, that it's possible, but exactly how. What did they come up against? What were right. they feeling? How, when did they feel like they'd never get through? And then what were the things that made them get through it? That, that was something that was really important to me. That I, I love that people, hundreds of thousands of videos have been made that tell people mm-hmm. that it gets better. Yeah. But I really wanted young people to be able to watch a video and learn exactly, A, that other people were just like them, that have gone through periods in their lives, whether mm-hmm. it was in their teens or their 20s or later, where things felt insurmountable. And also that they managed to get through, whether it be from the help of a therapist or a parent or a teacher or a group of friends or by moving to a different part of the world. All those things are relevant and um, and inspiring. So we did a season of it and L Studio, which is exactly the platform that got web therapy started, Mm -hmm. um, allowed us to make six of these profiles and then they picked us up for another six and we just got picked up for a third. So we're very proud of this series. Um, We're going to come out with another six of them in 2016 and um, it's, it's, that's another one that we're just really proud of. 
and it's and it is phenomenally important. I like what you say. It is one thing, and it's very important for us to say it gets better and to encourage uh, those mm-hmm. others of us that might be having a hard time. But it is a whole other level to be able to say, "Show me." You know, I know I'm a. I want the universe to send me a map. You know, it's so it's so inspirational to be able to say, "Show me how you did it," so I know that there's actual. You know things that you did that it does get there instead of just saying it. One Absolutely. Those... I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to minimize the power no, no, of the no, message, no, no. but right. you know, to hear Neil Patrick Harris, who mm-hmm. is yeah. having a phenomenal yeah. time in his career and is right. married and has two adorable twins, and for and he's 40, and he tells mm-hmm. a young person who doesn't know if they can go to seventh grade tomorrow because they might get shoved in a locker that it gets right. better. Yeah. It, it, there's such a disconnect between. You know, it's a great message, and yes. I would, and I'm not trying to undervalue it. Right. But it just hearing it gets better by somebody who is living a quite, um, you know, a rarefied existence right. doesn't quite translate to the kid who's scared of being stuffed in a locker um, exactly. somewhere in the middle of the country. Yeah. And but I think hearing that that person also was stuffed in a locker, mm-hmm. also wondered if it ever get through, also struggled also struggled with thoughts of suicide or struggled with thoughts of depression or didn't know where to turn and and then found a way and talked to somebody hearing what it was by somebody who got through it that were the moments that make you relate to them the most is i think really helpful and and they just need a platform for it and we were lucky enough to get a platform for it and that's amazing you know as a conversation that has begun over a, a comment that matt damon made about an actor um, you know, keeping sexuality to himself or whether that's should be or shouldn't be. You have always lived your life just out loud. Um, just, you know, y- you have a beautiful relationship. You're, you know, you have your two children. You wrote a book um, about the experience of adopting uh, your children. What is it like to live out loud and where did you come from? What is your story of how you made it to where you are now? Um. I grew up in New York City in the um, in the seventies, and then I, and then north of the city in the suburbs. And it was a tough it was tough to be a little you know. Obviously, I, I wasn't quite aware of my sexuality, but I mm-hmm. I remember being petrified that I might be gay, and I would tell myself that I I promised myself that I would that if it were true that by the time I was eighteen, if I was gay, I would kill myself. And mm-hmm. I, I clearly did not want to do that. I, I didn't really have the desire to do that, but it was sort of like a a pact. As though daring fate, like because I was being so dramatic, I was like, "Well, if that's if that's the pact I've made, then there's no way the universe will make me gay, because you know, because right. the stakes are too high." Sure, yeah. And then, of course, as time would have it, yeah. and as time went yeah. on, I went I went on to college, and it was a tough period in my twenties. But uh, you know, meeting other gay kids and get, finishing college and finding other like-minded people in New York City, where I where I spent my early twenties was a very helpful thing. And uh, ultimately, like Jane Lynch says, and it, and it got better, uh, you find your people. Um, right. I was always doing theater and always wanting to be a performer and was always interested in the creative arts. So I studied them in college, and then I went to New York to be an actor and wound up in Los Angeles three years later writing, trying to write shows that I could perform in. And, um, you know, I... Very soon after moving to Los Angeles, I was only 25 or 26, I met Don, and, you know, it, 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 it's very strange. You know, life, life just sort of took me on a, a journey that I didn't expect it to, and I became a writer as a means to become yeah, an actor yeah. and wound up writing 
a variety of different shows, and uh, I wound up writing that movie all over the guy in 1999, yes. which mm-hmm. we were lucky enough to produce and make for very little money. But it was still a time when a studio like Lionsgate would would put a movie like that up in the theaters, and uh, um, it was it, it was a game changer for me, just in that it it, it started me writing for television. Uh, but my dream of being an actor was not one that happened overnight. I certainly wanted to be. The life I wound up leading later on in my life was one that I wanted to be leading early on in my life. And I have to say that I I can't say for sure, but I I feel like it sort of coincided with my process of coming out of the closet. I feel like when I moved to Los Angeles, I was very closeted, even in my relationship with Don. I didn't want anybody in the business to know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the kind of actor that I was when I would audition for things was and I've talked about this a lot, um, and spoke with actors a lot about this, and it's a very personal decision whether an actor, mm-hmm, sure. who by very definition should be a chameleon, you know, right. the less you know about an actor's personal life, in a way, the better they can do their job of, right. of being able to play anybody, you know, the less you know about them. But the more I was hiding, the more I was pretending to be a straight actor, pretending to be the character. And there were so many walls up that I... I wasn't finding, I wasn't getting work. I wasn't doing good work. And, you know, I took a different path. I wound up writing a lot more and acting a lot less. And only through the process of starting to live a little bit more openly and coming out and then writing my book and my movie and no longer fighting what would happen if the world knew. Right. Which, by the way, also coincided in terms of the history of our pop culture. It coincided with Ellen's coming out. It coincided right. then two years later, three years later, with Will and Grace. I mean, obviously, yeah. I was living uh, a life that was that was parallel to, uh, as time went on, what was becoming an easier path as more and more people were exposed to characters and to real people who were coming out of the closet. And um, by the time I was having kids and writing my book, I, I really felt very, very liberated and very the honesty I was able to live, with which I was able to live my life, started to impact positively on the way, on the kind of actor I was. So I don't think it's a surprise or a coincidence that I wound up having a lot more success after 40 when I, uh, you know, with Scandal um, and getting to play a character like that that was just so close to who I really am. Um, I don't think I was, was ready for that kind of emotional honesty in my 20s. Um, so it all sort of coincided for me, and that's not mm-hmm. something I would tell any other actor they would have to do. Right. Everybody's on their own path. Some actors, it's better for them to not be as open about right. who they are, and they get more roles that way. It just depends. I just don't think I would have wound up being the actor I became if right. I had continued to be as closed off as I was. Um, so it's a very personal path for everybody, but mine definitely, I think was ironically tied to how right. open I was. Right. Well, and that, I mean, that opened so many doors for you. And, you know, like you, like you mentioned before, uh, you're now married and kids, and you, you have a book about that, Does This Baby Make Me Look Straight? Confessions yeah. of a Gay Dad. Talk to us a little bit about the process of that book and, you know, what, what are the things that gay parents do experience uh, that are you know not only different from a straight relationship, but book worthy and maybe even TV worthy. Um, 
you know, I didn't set out to write a book. I was sort of performing with another group yep. of writers and comedians and actors at a night in Los Angeles that was called Afterbirth, stories you wouldn't read about in a parenting magazine. And I, <laughs> mine was sort of the gay perspective. <laughs> yeah. And so much of raise, about raising a kid and having children and even adopting is something uh-huh. that's not related to your sexuality. It really is just the experience of becoming a parent. And right. it really ties people together, whether you're a single parent, a single dad, a single mom, a gay mom, a straight mom or dad. It, those are experiences that are kind of universal. And I learned that only by experiencing it. And over four or five years of performing different essays as my kids were getting older in the process, um, I, it, it just so happened that I was putting together a chronology of sort of comedic stories, essays that were very honest looks at what it felt like to experience fatherhood, uh, to occasionally experience a little bit of uh, prejudice. Uh, you know, you'd, meet, you'd run into people at the airport and ask you where the mom was, and people would assume that if you were a guy with a baby that the mom was somewhere close by. Sure. You couldn't imagine right. that. You know, that kid would just be with these two gentlemen. I think times have changed so much that that happens very, very rarely now. Um, But uh, the book is really sort of a chronology of how Don and I met and how we decided to have kids and what that adoption process was like. And then the process of, you know, the very universal stories, comedic stories about wanting to be the best parent you could possibly be and, and what you what you bump up against. Um, and that's something that I found I connected with parents of all types um, in doing. But uh, it was a very cathartic experience for me to talk, to write so honestly about that process and about my fears, my neuroses, uh, feelings of competition that many same-sex parents feel with their, with their spouses. I'm sure many heterosexual couples also feel and parents feel uh, with their partners. Um, but all those things were things I was grappling with and felt very sort of liberated to write about, especially because I was trying to write the book that I wished had existed right. when we were going on the journey. I sort of thought, what's the book that I wish was out there right. that I could write? So that's sort of what how that led to that. And Well, um, well and like was, you... Uh, yeah, uh, like you say, you know, it's a very universal. Being a parent, it's very universal. <laughs> you know, kids, the way they react to their parents can be very universal. Do your kids look at your work? I'm not uh, at if they're at the age where you let them see some of Scandal, but do they look at your any of your work? And what do they think about Dad? Um, you know, I try to keep uh, I try to keep as much of show business away from the house as possible, not yeah. completely. I mean, we go to events, and I do try to teach them about charitable giving, and we are often at events where we are helping to raise money for, for charities, and occasionally the kids will join me in that, and those opportunities to talk to them about the less fortunate and, and for them to learn a little bit about gratitude and our social responsibility sometimes coincide with them coming with me to an event where they sure. get photographed or I get stopped for pictures occasionally and they understand that I was on a television show that right. made people want to take pictures or with me or stop me in a store with, with them. People, right. uh, so the kids sort of get that, but they haven't really watched a lot of Scan. I, think, I don't even think they've seen, they may have seen one moment of an episode where yeah. I was holding a baby and I was showing oh. them how my character was also a, a gay dad. Right. But uh, the show's a little harsh, and they, and frankly, luckily, they're not that interested. <laughs> right. So that is a thrill to me, because truthfully, 
<laughs> with the exception of my kids occasionally telling me to stop singing in the car because I sound horrible, <laughs> which hurts my feelings deeply. Um, they are not that interested in seeing me on camera. Uh, right. They're not that interested in seeing me off camera either, which is uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. But uh, that's our job, you know, have yeah. a kid and let them go. Exactly. Um, sure. Yeah. So no, the good news, the good news is I'm doing everything I possibly can, within some you know, with some exceptions of having kids that are not quite tied to the whole, um, you know, tied to things that I do professionally that that are kind of out there. Well, talk about the blanket regular experience of any parent when your kid just looks at you and goes, "Oh, Dad, stop! Just, yeah. just oh, yeah. stop! It's a thing." Now, as you. We have a lot of young listeners who listen to the show, a lot of, uh, and a lot of people who we get letters from that, you know, it's not easy right now. So they tune in just to hear, you know, two crazy gay guys on a microphone. Mm-hmm. What would you say to, to kids who are still dealing with that? There's a bullying going on. Um, you know, you get you going through your own experiences and you get to talk to these amazing people and get their stories. What would you say to those kids who still, haven't found their safe place yet, so they, you know, they just listen to the media or they tune in where they can. What would mm-hmm. you say to those kids? Well, listen, I, I you know, I, it, it's so important to keep your mind on, the, or to believe in something, to believe not only in yourself, but also believe in the idea that any situation is survivable because it, you you move past them every you know every grade you're in you're going to wind up in another grade and you're going to wind up in a different school mm-hmm. and there's going to come a point where you're going to have your own power and your own interests and your own group of friends and you find your own voice which is a process it's very painful i was bullied mercilessly as a kid and somehow in the back of my mind i always felt like one day dot 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 right. one day dot 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 and no other person, no other person on the planet should have the power, especially as a kid, to stop me from being who I am or stop me from thinking what I want to think or stop me from dreaming about the one day. Right. So I often, even when I was being bullied, I often felt like this will pass. These people will mean nothing to mm. me. And if anything, I have to be honest, I, I, I credit my bullies sometimes for fueling me. <laughs> for fueling me with, with a kind of desire and a drive to want to show them that I will move past it. I mean, if anything, and it's a hard thing to do, because, you know, when you're actually scared to get off the bus and go up, run to your house in fear of being chased home, oh, yeah. it's hard to have oh, yeah. that moment, that thought in that moment. But I will say that there is some, I used to find some comfort in feeling like this all will be something behind me. At some point, I will look back on it, and it will be a moment where I am able to say, uh, you know, it made me stronger, and I was able to become the person I always meant to be, not just in spite of all those people, but because of them. And it's true. I mean, the, our, our darkest days often strengthen us for the, for the fights ahead. So, yeah, And also, yeah. you know, it's just like going to the gym. Without resistance, our muscles don't get stronger. So you... As a, as a person on the planet, you almost have to face resistance of some kind. How hard it is to step forward, how hard it is to take a test, how hard it is to get past a day when someone's trying to stop you or bully you. But those moments of resistance are the very thing that build whatever that emotional muscle is down yeah. the line. So you look at it like, 
as much as I hate to work out, I hate the discomfort <laughs> of it. Yeah. it. In a way, it's a similar emotional workout to have to sure. push through the pain because you know on the other side it'll make you stronger. And that's I, I think that's so true wherever you are in life, and uh, that, mm-hmm. that's a great message for kids. Now, Dan, what can we expect from you in the upcoming uh, few years? Any projects in store? Any... Because uh, now we can't get enough. We can't so. get enough. Yeah. Oh, any any you. other books coming out? What's going um, on? I, you know, I'm not I'm not opposed to writing another book. I'm waiting to find sort of the inspiration of what yeah. I, of what I want to talk about. Um, so I'm I'm sort of tossing ideas around. I'm in the process of developing two. I'm writing two pilots right now for television for hopefully next year. Lisa Kudrow and I continue to produce Who Do You Think You Are? So a new season of that is right. going to be coming out Amazing. In, the, in the first half of, of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are plenty of things in the works. Um, I appear in an episode of a show called Superstore, which will be a mid-season show for NBC. Um, so I will continue to do uh, appear on camera as well in the, in the new year, but mostly developing new television projects is where my focus is right now. And uh, and, um, you know, who knows? And, and I'm also staying open to whatever might happen that I'm not predicting. Right, which is always very important in life. And I have sure. to say, I hope there is some opportunity in the future where we can watch you and Lisa Kudrow interact. Just do a, just get on webcam just for fun, because you two are hysterical. Amazing. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. Well, <laughs> we're, very, we're very, very good friends, and I feel blessed to be able to continue to call her a dear friend as well as my producing partner, so... I appreciate that. That's amazing. Well, Mr. Butinsky, thank you. Bukatinsky, sorry, Bukatinsky. totally messed up that name. No worries. Uh, thank you so much for taking time to talk to our listeners. We love to celebrate people who are out there being living their truth and being inspiring with it. And you really are. I'm, I'm truly glad your path has brought you to being open and just sharing your story out there because I think it's truly inspiring. So thank you well, so much. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And um, um, and uh, any any updates I, I will put on Twitter at Dan Bukatinsky and on my website so uh, people can follow along on Instagram as well. So Perfect. Thank you guys we'll so send those on Facebook for all of our listeners as well so they can follow you because you're worth following. So you have a wonderful day with the, the rest of your family. And thank we you. will. Happy holidays to you guys. Yeah, happy, happy holidays, holidays. to you. All thank right. you. Take care. Bye. That was Dan Bukatinsky. He is best known for his Emmy Award-winning role as James Novak on Scandal. Quite a show. Going to be a lot of fun uh, with that. But also, check out him and Lisa Kudrow's work um, with Who Do You Think You Are?, which is on TLC, as he mentioned. And, of course, you can check out past episodes of, uh, where is it? Oh, of Web Therapy, which I find hysterical so also check out his books but we're going to take a quick break sergey we are going to take a quick break we're going to be listening to uh wellstrong who we talked to last week and this is going to be their song royals you are back with kyrs medical lake spokane 88.1 and 92.3 fm and this is outspoken and you know what i think it's that time of our show where we tell you why and who loves Outspoken? <laughs> uh, Outspoken receives support from Nine Bar and Bistro, featuring a full bar, food menu, and trivia on Thursday nights. Located at 232 West Sprague Avenue. More information is available at 509 747 
Outspoken also receives support from Mediterrano Restaurant, Mediterranean-inspired cuisine featuring fresh Mediterranean, Persian, and Northwest ingredients, serving lunch and dinner daily and brunch every Sunday. Located in downtown Spokane at 19 West Main Avenue. More information at 309-3116. Outspoken is funded in part by the Pride Foundation. More information is available at pridefoundation.org. Outspoken receives support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Spokane, serving the community with a non-dogmatic religious environment, welcoming all people regardless of race, sexual orientation, gender identity, or physical ability. Information online at uuspokane.org or 509-325-6383. So, love, love our supporters. Here's the thing. So, people have been being so nice on Facebook. Um, so we released, there's five different versions of our new holiday pictures. There are. We, we released one of them and you'll have to wait for the others, but I love, people are being so nice. Someone said adorbs. Here's the thing. So Kurt released the, it's a little awkward, released the least, the least awkward of all five. So I agree. So, it's, you know, that stoic little picture, which I love, we, we should be right. in, yeah, well. in GQ magazine. I will say, I will say though. Um, that's us being awkward, not us feeling like we're all that. But happy holidays from our awkward family to yours. To your, I you, do love the picture. You should see the other ones, though. <laughs> there are some pretty fantastic ones there. Fantastically painful. Um, yeah, I, I, I see when we were taking the pictures, I'm pretty sure a lot of people were looking at us thinking we were legitimately trying to be opposed <laughs> these ways, but no, which we were making it, fun. <laughs> which makes it more fun, actually. Right, right, exactly, because they'll look at you and they'll laugh. And so there was a trucker pair. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call them truckers because they look like truckers. They were sitting off on a table, and the whole time we're there, they're just staring at us. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not cracking a smile. It's like they're trying no. to figure out what, what we're is doing. happening. It, I feel like they there. were almost at like a zoo where they're like, huh. <laughs> Huh, yes. natural habitat. I see what they do. So I see the outspoken okay. boys. All right. They're yeah. a special species. Anyway, so <laughs> you can go see that first picture that's released. We will be releasing the rest periodically as we get yes. closer. It's 12 days. It is. So, yeah. So, so 12 days of Christmas. We're going to give you like five days of Christmas. Well, you know what? Or holiday. When, when you're this poor, you can only afford five days. <laughs> right? Let's be honest. What are you talking about? Afford five days? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I try to uh, just get through the hour I that is that. the holiday. Um, yes. And so that's, that's fun. We had an amazing conversation with Dan Bukatinsky, who is an Emmy Award winner, first of all. We were shocked. Kurt asked me, the Shamira asked me this morning, does he know? That he said yes to us? Is that a thing? Yeah. Right. Is it, was that an award winner? Did he, Did he mean to say no <laughs> instead of yes? Okay. And I'm like, hey, Kurt, we don't ask questions. Yeah, We just true. go. So very honored to have spoken to him and get some inspirational words. And that man is working all the time. And that is so great. Yeah. If I you want to check out all of last season's episodes of the It Got Better, you can go to lstudios.com yeah. and you can watch them right there. Uh, one of the latest ones they have up right now is Liver and Cox. And so I think it's amazing that they they have done that. Also, and that they continue the project yeah. so perfectly. Anything that he's him and Lisa Kudrow work on, oh, I'm in love with. They have great chemistry. Oh my I can just, goodness. I'll tell you that much. It, yeah. It's so they make me And I love so hard, I, I love Lisa Kudrow anyways, oh, yeah. but oh, wow. And she plays, you know, on Friends was this one character but she plays these annoying, annoyed yeah. characters. Like yeah. she just seems annoyed by everything in life, and I and right. she does it so well. It's hysterical to me. 
<laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe she's channeling something inside of her where she actually is annoyed at right. everybody at around everybody. her. I, I, I don't know. I can't tell I you. I feel like I could nail that role. Yeah. Or I could get an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. Um, if you missed the, the interview or any part of the show and you'd like to uh, listen again, we are on iTunes. Uh, please go subscribe, rate, and leave a review for us. Um, we would gladly and uh, very much appreciate that. And if you exactly. missed any other shows in the past, they're all up there. You can check all of those out. All you can also them. find us on Twitter, and you can you find can. us on Facebook all through the week. Or if you want to go to our website, where all of the crazy is all in one spot. It all happens there. We are at hotmesssunday.com. That so is three S's. Definitely look for that. Remember, email us anything you need. The Schmear is always looking forward to new emails. <laughs> yes. He is <laughs> new. And we get them. We get some everything from zero to six crazy. That's our thing. Zero to six. <laughs> but those are our crazy things. Yeah. Here's the thing. We talked about um, Caitlyn Jenner's we did. latest faux pas in her interview that came out last week about, mm-hmm. or a few days ago actually, about uh, views on being quote unquote passable in the trans community and how yes. she feels that it, it's better if you are, you work harder. I mean, which is the and most. And you look more like a woman or insensitive. man. Insensitive. And it really is. Yeah. It really is. So we talked about that earlier. There are some fun things going around though. Let's, let's talk about something positive before we go and talk about what happened in Venezuela. Venezuela. So Venezuela just had uh, an election, um, which they which, did, as we know, isn't very, you know, it Venezuela goes like. one way. Exactly. They typically but, all go to, you know, the Hugo Chavez kind of type exactly. politician down there. But now for uh, 17 years into his reign, he's out, finally been ousted out of there. But uh, the real news is actually that Venezuelan uh, representative uh, is... A transgender Tamara Adrian is what is said to be the first uh, transgender in her country and on the continent. Although uh, just a few years ago there was a uh, senator in Uruguay who mm-hmm. was also trans. But well, it's it's incredible that you know in such an oppressed country um, where the LGBT people don't have all the rights. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure it's still illegal to be uh, gay in Venezuela. Um, you know it's it's incredible to see that. To see a and trans she's part of an, a, a movement that is the opposite yes. of what is currently in power. Yes. And actually, they had pretty much a landslide of people from that movement being being brought in well, yeah. uh, to government. Her name is Tamara or Tamara mm-hmm. Adrian. She's a lawyer and advocate for LGBT rights in Venezuela, uh, and she's part of the opposition coalition that overwhelmingly conquered venezuelan national assembly which is incredible so it's a movement it is it towards is, yeah. change there that hasn't been seen and she has promised that she is bringing lgbt rights to the forefront in venezuela yes. as she uh serves in government but this isn't the only place where elections have changed the face of government and now we have to watch to see what happens you Absolutely. told me about a story this morning yeah so in saudi arabia for the i mean for the past two election runs they they've had open elections for local government it's i mean it, it, as much as they can have open elections in saudi right. arabia it is for for local seats but this year uh or this round they've opened it to women whereas before it was illegal for women to run at all for any office and five women got elected to local government seats in Saudi Arabia. Now, uh, five, as women. five women. That's gigantic. It's huge. And, you know, it's it's incredible when you think about it because of 
all of the men in there and of all of the cultural uh, stimulate, uh, stigma, stigmatization against women they have in that culture. It's really incredible to see that. Um, and the numbers are actually, there's 10 times as many male voters as there are female voters. So right? that's incredible to so think about So it's telling that. you that somewhere in even the male-dominated culture, exactly. the men are changing They're the understanding. way they're looking at things. Yeah. So what's fascinating is typically, yeah. not always, some elections are fixed, but typically it's a way to see, to gauge the temperature of your culture Absolutely. and of the people, yeah. the citizens of that country. And for them to say, and honestly, this is a double-edged sword for us, yeah. for them to say this is what we want in Venezuela and in Saudi Arabia is a great sign that culture is changing. And then you have America where yeah. you have Donald <laughs> Trump. Yes, we do. And that scares yes, me do. because if this is a way to take yeah. the temperature of our culture, I'm scared of our culture. Well, yes. And, you know, I, I actually read an interesting article uh, this weekend talking a little bit about how our media has begun to shape our, oh, our, our polls and our election and everything like that and how much the polls are actually skewed. Um, because as we know, in, in the United States right now, the big thing right now is bi- is big money anywhere. And yes. in media, it, it's the same thing. Yes, it's all Three about the ratings. It's all about exactly, the sponsors. Exactly, own all of the media. And so it's, yes. it's crazy to see that. Well, and that's the scary part because right. the truth is we have, especially last uh, voting cycle, we, did, mm-hmm. we read the studies on it, that most people are getting who they vote for based off of media, based off of name recognition, based off of sound Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if your media is run by three major corporations that have a stake in who gets elected and you're getting your voting by just looking at the ads on TV, Mm -hmm. that's a problem. Exactly. And that's, that's huge. That's saying something. And that's, you know, that's why I, uh, I I don't ever want to vote or, you know, give any power to those statements you know right. when people do the whole donald trump thing Ugh. i mean as crazy as he is i i think he's out of this world but you know the more people post the more world, crazy yeah. out of this world crazy is what yeah, I, yeah, yeah exactly the more people engage with that the more power it gives them but right. you know it's 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 insane social media is changing the game a little bit um uh, especially with candidates like Bernie Sanders coming right. out majorly dominating social media, but mm-hmm. it's weird. You're right. It's it's interesting to see what's happening here versus the world. I mean, let's talk about what everybody's talked about lately. Yeah. Uh, the latest with Trump, of course, saying that we should have a ban on all Muslims coming to our country. Right. It's a dangerous right. statement, and oh, he's, it is. He's playing off of people's fear. So instead of thinking mm-hmm. of that statement and going, "Is that really?" Something that should even be talked about within society, whether that could actually politically happen or not, or legally happen. It's still a conversation that I go to work every day and I hear it around me Mm -hmm. that this is even talked about uh, the merits and then the, you know... Hopefully is not. that what we stand for as a country is exactly. the real question. Is and that isn't that the dangerous part that yeah. we could even think that? Exactly. And, the, and that that's, that's a possibility what me. here. And to have this person uh, be so high in the polls when they're saying such hateful and dangerous statements, we need to look at ourselves and say, wait, something is getting out of control for this. But... Um, yeah, and it's important that we have the conversations. Just last night, we yeah. uh, at the the Pride Foundation, I talked in my speech about how important it is to have a dialogue that is together. We talk to people we don't always uh, we don't always agree, agree with. with on our program, mm-hmm. but what happens is within dialogue creates ideas, and in ideas 
is what changes the world. Exactly. So yeah, it's exactly. important to talk about these things. It's important for you and I, whether how educated we are on the subject or not, that we bring these subjects up so that you listening can go, I need to know more about that. They said that, and I want to know if that's true. And go find out because we, you have to be forever diligent. You do. Because Fact, one of the other it. things that has been talked about is, do you know how many states and how many cities are trying to overturn laws or to create laws that are going to block all of the progress us as LGBT people have made? And yes. we said it yes. two years ago. You cannot ever rest back on your laurels because the minute you do, they will try to take them away. You can't ever feel so safe. That it's all going to be okay because look at what happened in Houston with the hero it, legislation. It got exactly. It, it can got, be taken away from you. You cannot yeah. just relax. It's not that simple. No, it's I, not. exactly. We 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 won, but we are not finished fighting. Exactly, and that's why we, as a show, love to start those conversations. And you know what? We keep doing so. But for now, we're going to let you go because it's it's just we're that time. Going to give you a week off. Going to give you that week off. But we will see you next Sunday and stay tuned to KYRS. <laughs>